Hello, everyone. Good evening. How are you? Awesome. Well, welcome to our annual vision and prayer night. Um, as the name suggests, tonight we're here to hear about like our best attempt in verbalizing what God has spoken to us about where we're going this next year. And we're here to pray. That's kind of why you're all here, why this whole room is full of people from our church. We want to pray as a church community. We want to pray out loud as a church community, agreeing with one another. There's nothing better than when someone is praying and the person next to them is like, yes, Lord. And you're like, you get so encouraged, like, I'm going to keep praying. Um, so we want to do that. We want to hear from the Spirit and what the Spirit's doing tonight. This night has become a tradition of ours as a church, a very sacred tradition where we pause at the beginning of our year and offer to God our hopes and all of our dreams and our vision for the future. So tonight, what I would like to do is I would like to submit to you what we, the elders of our church and the staff of our church and the board of directors, believe Jesus is doing in our church. What I'll be sharing tonight is not my vision or the, the things I've come up with. They're the things that we as elders and board and staff has discerned together in prayer and in conversations and in waiting on, on God. So what I'll share tonight is not just so that you can know the vision of our church. We want that to happen, but we want you to participate in the vision of our church. So is that cool with everyone? Okay, great. So let's start here. Matthew chapter 22 we have this story of a, of a, uh, a Jewish uh, teacher of the Jewish law who goes to Jesus during Jesus' ministry, and he wants to debate Jesus. And when they begin to spar, uh, he realizes that Jesus is actually holding his own, and so this, Jewish, uh, th this teacher of the Jewish law decides to throw Jesus his haymaker, like try to knock Jesus out. And this is what he says. He says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Basically, how would you boil down 613 commands into one? Or, and how would you boil down all the pharisaical regulations that surrounded all the Torah laws? See, as Judaism got more and more complex, there had to be more and more complex laws to keep people from breaking the actual laws. So in order not to break the law of Sabbath, there were all these regulations around the law so you wouldn't accidentally break the law. So my point is that when something gets more and more complex... When, a, when something gets more and more complex, like Judaism, so does the system around the thing to keep it going. Tonight, you're going to hear a lot of stuff. You're going to hear a lot of data, a lot of numbers, and a lot of vision. What I don't want to happen is I don't want us to get lost in keeping the most important thing in front of us, front and center. Last night, as I was going through all of the numbers, the Holy Spirit was very kind to cut through all of the stuff I was reading and trying to get down last minute and remind me, this is all about loving God. You are here because you love God. This church exists because this church loves God. Keep that central. So you may know how Jesus brilliantly breaks down all of the laws, and he says to, to the lawyer, he says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Everything I'm going to share tonight flows from our love for God. We must keep that central. So before we move any further, um, let's pray for the love of God 
to flow in us and our response to everything we do to submit to God and go, because we love you, God. Okay, so let's pray. Lord, we just say, I just say it as we begin at the top of this, that we love you. That we want everything to flow from our love for you. For what you've done for us. We love you because you first loved us. This is like this reciprocity, reciprocation that we just love you so much, God. And we pray that everything that we talk about tonight would flow from our love for you. And the love that you have for us and the love that you have for the world. And so I pray that we keep that central in our minds, that we are a community that is like centered around Jesus um, because we love you, that we would not get so technical and complex as a church that we forget that. May everything that we talk about tonight be ways and outworkings of us loving you. And so I just submit that to you. I ask that you would guide our night, that you would speak to us, that um, that the Holy Spirit would just give us prayers to pray, prophetic prayers, bold prayers, and that you would give us the wisdom to live into them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here's how I want to break up tonight. I want to talk about uh, a vision update to start, and then an elder update, and then our demographic study findings, a pastoral vision for 2019, and then we'll at the end we'll do some corporate worship and prayer. Okay? So first, vision update. Last year at Annual Vision and Prayer, right, right here in this very room, I gave a very long vision, a 21-year vision for our church. I had some people say to me after last year, I don't know if I'll be alive to see 21 years from, which is sobering, which is really sobering. And I heard a lot of other people say to think that there's a vision for me in my church when I'm 40 years old. That's crazy. Um, some of you guys haven't thought about that, have you? You will be 40. It's coming. So here's a long vision for Reality San Francisco. We said that the first seven years were the years of building. The second seven were establishing years. And then seven, 15 plus were our, we want art to be our flourishing years. This came out of a prophetic word that a friend of mine gave me uh, last year, two years ago before I went on sabbatical. The first years of our church community was really all about building. Um, our, our church from a very small group of people who had a dream and a call to start a community in San Francisco and that that community would hopefully one day become an enduring church in San Francisco. Uh, we started our church just blocks from here in Hayes Valley in a, in a, in a house where we, we gathered to pray. So the first seven years was about building and building a church requires a certain kind of energy and work. Church planting is all about generalists. Building a new church is like trying to build a plane in the air, they say. You're just trying to figure things out as you're going along. That was us completely. Along the way, we've made all kinds of mistakes, and we saw all kinds of fruit. And we believe our church is built. It's weathered some truly hard and horrible seasons, and it's still here and thriving. We believe our church kind of went through that building phase. And last year, we said we're moving into a new season of our church, the season of establishing. And establishing work is a different kind of work as well. And it too requires a different kind of energy. It's a work that's not nearly as sexy. It's not nearly as stimulating. And in some ways, it's not as exciting as building. But it's crucial and important than anything else that we can do if we want our church to have a future, to be like a gospel presence in the city over a long period of time. So what does establishing consist of? What does it mean that our church is in an establishing season? We have called this refinement and alignment. 
we're in a season of our church where we're trying to refine and align our church. Now, what we mean by that is this. Refinement is refining the mission and values of our church so that they are understandable to all, especially the leaders, and effective in making disciples of Jesus in San Francisco. So we want some, a, a refinement around all of the missions and values so every single person understands them, especially the staff and the leaders, and that they're effective. They're actually, they're, they're actually effective in making disciples of Jesus in the city. Alignment, what we mean by that is this, aligning ministry and events and sermon series and job descriptions and leadership development and community groups, et cetera, to the mission and values of reality so that every part of our church is moving towards the vision we have for the city, which is a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in our city. So what, we're, what we mean about alignment is that we're taking everything that we do and we're trying to align it to what we believe our mission is in the city, what our values are, what our vision is. And because we are in the establishing phase, refining means not every good idea is the right idea for us. And so during this season of our church, we have to show ourselves a lot of grace. I kind of feel like our establishing years are like a really big R&D phase. It's like we're trying to figure out what it means to be an enduring church in the city. And so there's going to be some things we're going to try. There's going to be things that we're going to try. We're going to fail at. There's some things we're going to be successful at. We're going to have a lot of good ideas, but not every good idea is the right idea for us. So let me talk a little bit about the mission, refining the mission of our church. Now, before I get there, let, let, me, let me first give you the vision. You guys should know the vision. I hope you know the vision. I just said it. Our vision of our church is a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in our city. Now, a vision is something that should be so big that you can't get to it in a year. You probably can't even get to it in a lifetime. But it's also you, you, something you can start participating in right now today. So our vision is to follow the way of Jesus, and by following the way of Jesus, to bring renewal in our city. Following Jesus can happen today, and it takes a lifetime. You never arrive. Renewal in our city can happen in small ways tonight, but ultimately it'll take 50 lifetimes to bring renewal totally to San Francisco. But what we say around here is that this is possible. Our vision is possible. It is possible to follow the way of Jesus, to be renewed and thus become a part of renewal in San Francisco. This should inspire us, and this does inspire us. That's our vision, but what's our mission? Our mission uh, of our church uh, answers the why do we exist. The vision answers the question, what would the future like if you actually do your mission? So what's our mission? The mission of reality, San Francisco, is the same mission that Jesus gave the disciples. The mission hasn't changed. Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. The, the mission of the church hasn't changed. It's the same mission. This is, this is what Jesus gave every single disciple. This is the mission of the church, to make disciples of Jesus. This is why the church exists in the world. So if you were to break that down, the mission of the church is this. The effective proclamation of the gospel to all humanity and by making disciples of Jesus and the development and transformation of those disciples' character into the character of Christ himself. Now, this is the mission and our, and our visions derived from that. So this is how, if we put these things together, this is how we say it. The mission is to make disciples of Jesus and to teach them to obey Jesus. And the vision is that we're a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in our city. But the question that we asked last year was this. How are we doing all of this? 
This is, this is the gap we're been, we've been trying to bridge going from last year into this year. How do we know if we're actually doing our vision and mission? How do we, how do we as, as, a, as a church, become a part of this mission and vision? And how do we measure success, like faithfulness and fruitfulness in these things? If we say here that we are to carry on the mission of Christ, that we're a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in the city, that all sounds great, but can our leadership, can the people in our church calmly say, we believe that, and here's how to do that? And then state specific tried and true ways of actually doing that that are really accessible to our church. Now that, that right there is the hope of refinement and alignment. So last year, we made some attempts by saying we want to teach people a few things. And we said we're going to take a number of years to do so. We're going to teach people how to cultivate intimacy with God. That's what it means to, to do the mission of our church. We want to teach people how to live in an authentic community. We want to teach people to become like Jesus. We want to demonstrate the love of Jesus and word and deed in this city. And that was like the paradigm that we gave you all last year. And we spent a year, I spent a year in this paradigm. I shared it with people one-on-one -on -one in small groups. And what I've found is that it's kind of clunky. It's hard to memorize. It's hard to grasp and pass along. Of course, all of us know cultivating intimacy because we spent a whole year in it. But if we're like three years removed from that year, will people still remember that? And so we've refined these four things a bit. And we hope that the refinement falls in the line with the mission of our church which is to make disciples. And so here is those, those things refined. We want to, as a church, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did by the power of the Spirit. So the mission of our church is to make disciples. What does that mean? Disciples are people who are, we're teaching people how to be with Jesus. That means we're teaching people how to cultivate intimacy with God. We're teaching people how to become like Jesus and practicing his way. And we're teaching people to do what Jesus did by the power of the Spirit. Now, those three things, we want every staff member, every leader to know what we mean around here when we say we're making disciples of Jesus in the city. We want a shared common language so anyone can sit across a table for anyone else and say, this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This is what we believe it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It means that you're with Jesus, that you're cultivating a life with him, intimacy, abiding in Jesus, practicing the presence of God. Be with him. Become like him. Practice his way, his lifestyle. That's exactly what Jesus did when call, he called disciples. And then to do what Jesus did in this world by the power of the Spirit. And that's kind of how we've kind of um, uh, refined it. Now, the last two Sundays, I've been talking about how we, how we change. And we've given you a triangle of transformation. A theory of change in our church that we're, 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 we're really trying to make accessible to everyone in our church. And here, here it was again. Here it is again. I talked about the last two Sundays. We change through truth, practices, community, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when we put all of this together, and I, this is kind of what I want to do. I want to put all of it together. Our vision, our mission, and how we believe people can change. Here it is in one, like, sentence that, again, if you get this tonight, you're going to get an A um, at reality. And that's, that means a lot around here. Um, <laughs> But if you don't, we're going we're gonna to be dripping this into our community over the next year plus. We are a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in our city. 
by being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did through truth, community, practice, and the Holy Spirit. We're just trying to refine it to where like, we all know, we want everyone in our church to know what we're doing, what we're here doing. Refinement going into 2019 looks like getting clear around a theory of personal transformation that becomes codified in practices that are accessible to those who actually want to become like Jesus. Basically, we want to help people in their discipleship to Christ. So that's our vision update. Next, an elder update. Elder update, Here are, where are our elders at? Where are, are you guys all clumped somewhere? Are you all sitting somewhere? Are you even in the room? Are you, oh, you guys are right there. Okay, so they're like, would you stand real quick? Our elders, Tarek, Kevin, Joe. Oh, Joe's up, up front. Gold star for Joe and Wilson, okay? These are elders right here. If you, ha- if you haven't met them, uh, most of you have met them. Uh, Tarek, Kevin, Wilson, Joe, and myself. We installed Wilson and Joe this past year as elders. They've been doing a wonderful job pastoring and being part of our church. I'm so, so thankful for them and pastoring in our church and leading in our church. One thing you might notice about our elders is that they are all men. We're a diverse group of men ethnically, but we're all still men. And this has come up again and again since our church started nine years ago. So what I'd like to do is clarify some things around this. It's been both our inherited reality family tradition that elders are qualified men, and it's been our theological understanding, biblical understanding. Meaning we are both an elder-led church and a qualified male elder-led church because that's the tradition. Or maybe you could read, if you're new to this, our denominational stance, though we're not a denomination, but that's like our denominational stance, something that we've inherited as we moved here. And it's been our understanding of the Bible that elders in the church are qualified males. Now, this has brought everything from confusion in some of our church members to outrage in others in our church. And I get that. I completely get that. Believe me, up until recently, it's something that I've tried to avoid talking about. So allow me to explain a few things around this. First, we think that an elder is an office in the church, not a gift. Meaning, one of the elder's main tasks is to place people in the church into their giftedness to help the body of Christ do the work of ministry. Which practically means we believe that women can and should do everything in our church at every level. Now, we haven't got there yet to the level we want to, and that's what we're working towards. But I know what you might be thinking or you might say next. Yes, you say women can do and should do everything at every level except be an elder. And yes, that's true. And we've actually been working trying to address some of the issues and concerns around that. This past summer, we were working with Ruthie Kim on a project that, she, that we commissioned her to do that was a deep dive study into, into a diverse group of women from our church, meaning diverse in age, in race, and theological convictions, to ask their experience as women in the church that they grew up in, if they did, and Reality San Francisco specifically. Ruthie gave this presentation a few weeks ago. Here's a picture of Ruthie after she gave the presentation to the elders. <laughs> she was really excited. She told me today that she didn't know I took this picture. She totally knew I took this picture. If you're here, Ruthie, <laughs> you know you knew. Okay, anyway. 
I think it's important to point out that when Ruthie presented the report on women to our elders, there were indeed women in the room to listen and give feedback as well. The hope of the study and presentation was to find a way forward in empowering women into their gifts at reality and to make sure that our hope as elders, which is equipping and empowering and releasing women and men into their giftedness, was actually addressing some of the biases and roadblocks that women specifically were experiencing at our church. What Ruthie found was that indeed some women did feel overlooked, unseen, and not a direct contributor to decisions in the church, desiring mentorship and even models of women leaders up front, among other things. Ruthie also found from the study that some of the issues were not just women issues in the church, but actually clarity issues regarding roles, job descriptions, um, a statement of, of like what we, where we stand, like, like um, position papers, titles at Reality San Francisco, that led to a lot of confusion on how to get into leadership, any leadership position, whether you are male or a female. So there was a lot of confusion and ambiguity. Also, she found that there was a lack of the female voice in important decisions, and thus the female perspective was not being considered. And this is, was also very true at our Sunday morning gather, gatherings when we, and night gatherings. When we gather in mass, and women's presence is not as represented on Sundays as males. And some women have experienced being shut out by men in our church, overlooked for leadership positions, and not taken seriously by men within the congregation, whether this is explicit or implicit. And I'll just want to stop right here and say that, we're, we're, that I'm sorry, we're sorry. This is not what we want for women in our church community. We must do better. Another thing that she found was that how there needs to be a shift towards a culture of empowerment at Reality San Francisco by and large for both men and women if our community is to thrive. And by empowerment, meaning a culture where we encourage and equip men and women into their gifts and then release them into places of ministry. We found what Ruthie shared to be vital and important and crucial to address if we want to become a community that, community that prays and embodies how Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in San Francisco as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. So here's, here's what the elders are doing in light of this or some steps that we'll be moving toward. We're not solving this in 2019. There's no way we probably could do that. But this is part of a broader journey towards culture shifts in our church, some action steps as we move into 2019. And more action steps are to come. First, we're taking the whole report seriously and plan on working out many of the implications of the report. Um, we only got this report in December and only had a chance to meet and discuss this one time. But here's what we can say right now. First, we as an eldership are working to get very, very clear on how we see women and men leading together in the church. As I've said before, when Ruthie and I were making this announcement on stage together, we want to become a church where men and women serve, lead, and carry God's mission forward together, like it was before the curse and like it will be in the new heavens and the new earth. The lens that we are using to think about this theologically, because we think thinking about this theologically is, is vastly important as a Jesus community. So how we're thinking about this theologically, specifically how it pertains to women leading in the church are this. Here's our theological lens that we're using. First, how Jesus treated women. 
we, if you read the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus, Jesus was so progressive in his day and his treatment of women, so much so that a few times disciples were like, well, what are you doing? You can't be talking to this woman alone. You're a rabbi. You can't do this. And Jesus is like, I'm doing this. The first people to proclaim the resurrection were women, eyewitnesses. There were so many ways, and I'm going to talk more about this later on. There are so many ways that Jesus was very progressive in his day in his treatment of women. The next, the next lens is the Pauline theology. Both what Paul commanded some specific churches and how to lead and, and, be, and, and be organized, and what he himself practiced as he ministered alongside women in his ministry. Next is Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit falls in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on both men and women, and everyone receives gifts equally. And lastly, the lens is the creation narrative. What was it like in God's original intention in Genesis 1 and 2? And what did God intend our purpose to be together? How men and women were created co-equal to co-labor, co-work, co-rule together. Now, we have to start here, and starting here is so important. If we don't, we will tend to either pick and choose some texts in our stream and tradition, reality stream and tradition. Typically, what Paul said a couple times about women being silent in the church is what? churches in our stream typically choose first, but we want to endeavor to make take it all into account. I'll be unpacking this more later this year, especially the fall, and I'll talk about that later in our presentation. Um, we're told at the beginning of the Bible that, that both men and women are needed co-equal co-partners for the flourishing of God's creation. Other steps that we're taking. We also plan to do more teaching this year around both men and women leading and how we address some of our implicit biases around this topic. And this will happen in the late summer or early fall of this year. We'll also plan to expand the pulpit, the pulpit this year and invite more women to teach. I'll be inviting women who are already in relationship with through our church friendships. And we're inviting some more women to teach to expand um, the women voice from our pulpit. We are also discussing what it looks like to consult and have more women in the room when the elders are making and discussing major decisions in the church that affect both men and women. We as elders want to move forward on this, but we are still working out the practical implications of that or the practical, the, the ways that we're gonna do that that we wanna make sure are rooted in our theological understanding. So that's the stuff we're working on now. We'll also plan to highlight the ways women do lead in our church and make sure that there is representation around the women in our church who are actively leading and using their voices, but not represented as much on stage on a Sunday or other places visibly. For example, we have fantastic women coaches who lead in our CG ministry who are already activated and leading both men and women in our church. We also understand that our website and our Instagram have not, to the best of our ability, represented the women who lead and are part of our community. Kayla Berry, who was just recently hired in our media department, is now overseeing our social accounts and making sure with a new website rebuild that we're currently doing right now that we have a more balanced representation of our real community. We're also planning on clarifying pathways of our, in our internal structuring for how we become, uh, how people become leaders in our church and how our leaders are empowered to, to lead at reality and what that means. We don't want to get the cart before the horse and all of this, because what the study has shown is that we have definitely some women-specific things to address, but all of those things tend to be rooted in a deeper and a broader empowerment culture 
with both men and women and how we relate to each other. So I want to pause there for a second, and I'm going to come back to that um, at the end. The next thing I want to talk about is our demographic survey. Our demographic survey, uh, one very important and significant part of our establishing phase at Reality is understanding data. Now, if you know me at all, you know I am not a data kind of person. I don't, I don't know numbers. I don't like numbers. You never hear me talking about numbers. Actually, AVP has moved into reporting numbers to something completely different because that's just not my world. I just don't think in numbers at all. Now, actually, in January, on January 24th, 2010, and the only reason why I know this date is because Tark told me the date, <laughs> it was our third Sunday as a church. 212 people showed up at the Swedish American Hall down the street. I asked Tarek, where in the world are all these people coming from? Because I didn't think, honestly, I did not think we'd hit 212 people until like year five or 10. Week three, there were 210 people showing up. And I'm like, where are they coming from? And Tariq turned to me and said, well, in order to find that out, we have to survey the church. <laughs> and I told him, I will quit before we ever do a survey at this church. And so him and I, like we typically do, we fought a little bit over this went back and forth, and we reached a compromise. He said, I, I, I put out, I, I remember going out and buying this down the street when Flax, this little art store was down the street from here, and it's gone now. But I went over there and bought this giant moleskin, and we set it out in, in, at church, and we had people physically write their names and emails into this book. <laughs> like a wedding, wedding, like a wedding, like whatever that thing is called, right? Like that. And I'm like, that's what we'll do. We'll just keep it analog. I, wanna just, I don't want to be all digital and like survey thingies. Just, wanna, just have people write their name. And that's how we collected people's names for an e-bulletin at the time. Um, four, year later, four years later as a church, we grew to, be, to about 1,400 people. And we knew who were in CG and we knew who was serving. But it had become increasingly difficult to know who was joining us on Sunday gatherings. We estimated that a Approximately 20 to 30% of the church was turning over every year due to transience. So Tarek finally got his wish in 2014, and, and I agreed to conduct our very first survey. Okay, so fast forward to last year. Janet Ikba, did I say that right? Janet, are you here? Kind of. I did? Did I get it right? Close? Close enough. All right, good. Trying. Anyway, okay, so her and I were hosting a series of race and diversity conversations at my house that sprung up out of conversations her and I were having over voice notes and text messages and phone calls about stuff coming up in pop culture that led to all kinds of great dialogue around race. And then her and I were like, we need to expand this conversation and bring more folks into this conversation. And so we did, and we started hosting these dinners. From those conversations, she's asking, who is a part of our church? Like, who's really here? And what is their diversity makeup? What's their background? Where are they from? And I'm like, I don't know you probably should do a survey. <laughs> and so we did. Janet, who does this for, for work, led the efforts along with Brad on our staff and Kayla and Kevin to put together a very comprehensive demographic study of our church. Now, we're really excited about uh, the data that we're collecting, what it's telling us about our church, which is a lot more than I'll be able to share tonight. And we're excited about how we're going to use it to shepherd our community better. The elders and I spent time with the data last week. The staff spent time with it today. 
and we're committed to using this data and making it practical by turning it into action. Here's a picture of Janet after she'd given her presentation to the elders. <laughs> she said, I was ready for that one. <laughs> so this is the, the so here's some, here's some things. First, this is the first demographic survey in four years. There are 30 questions with eight follow-up questions, 1,721. 1, <laughs> see, I don't know numbers. I don't know numbers. I see those numbers. They don't mean anything to me. One, seven, two, one respondents total. <laughs> now, our average Sunday attendance is about 1,600 people a week. We estimate that our church, the people that go to our church are about 2,200 people. All that to say, 1,721 people is a great sample size. So here's what we learned. A little over 50% of our church, 50 point. 7% has been going to our church less than two years. And a majority, <laughs> telling you, numbers, everyone. A majority of those have been here less than a year. So this confirms what we have known for a few years now, now that, the, the, that the turnover, or we call it the churn of our church, is about 30%, or about, check this out, about 600 people a year move in and out of our church. Which means every year we have to grow by 600 people just to stay the same. It also means 600 people are looking for community here every single year. This past year, we placed 552 people into community groups. That's amazing. And we're very, very proud of that. So about 600 people a year come in. We were able to place 552 of those last year in community groups. Now this adds to so much complexity in our church. If you wanted, when you got the survey, if you wanted a, like a blank spaces to write your thoughts about the church and we didn't give it to you, here's why we didn't give it to you. We know what you were gonna say. We know you're going to say it's hard to get plugged in here. It's really hard to be known here. It's we know that. It's complex. You know why? Because the, so many people turn in and out of here. If you walk in on a Sunday, you're like, I don't know anyone. That's how I feel every single Sunday. <laughs> I feel the same way. I'm like, this might be a whole new group of people than was here last Sunday. I, I, don't, I don't know. And we, where we really feel this is at the leader and the servant level. It's hard to keep leaders in our church. With all the churn, it tends to burn leaders out quite fast. When leaders keep seeing new faces all the time and they can't grow deep with that many people, and the seasoned leaders in our church also tend to get a little sensitive and suspect of new people. Like, how long will you be here? And do I have the energy to invest in you relationally and spiritually if you're only here a short time? And so people come to San Francisco and they plan on staying a year or two years. You know you plan on staying here. And you walk in and you're like, I need triage really bad. I can't make it in the city. I need community. And you come in like bleeding, like I need this, I need this. And people that, people, we see this all the time. We're like, okay, it's I, we want to. We wa we, we're not proud of feeling this way, but this is reality. We want to invest in you, but we know we'll invest in you and then you're gonna, just going to leave. So that's really hard to start like, make that. And we also want to invest in people that say they're going to be here for a long period of time because that's the only way we know we can make it here for a long period of time if we have these vows of stability with people. So we need to figure this out. This is one of the things that we're going to try to figure out 
in this establishing season. And we have some ideas, but we need your help as well. Next, 60% of those who responded say they were in community at reality, and 49% said they were in a formal CG at reality. Now, that's good, but there's also a lot of room to grow here. We hope that this year's pastoral vision will address some of that. Again, more on that later. One of the things we did solve this year was taking care of the waiting list that was piling up for so long. People who have signed up for CG have been placed with a lot more speed this year and getting people involved in community much faster. So we're really happy about that. But we also see a lot of room to grow as people get involved in CGs. Next, uh, about serving at Reality, 27% of you said you serve in some capacities, whether it's CG, Sundays, local ministry partners, or whatever. Now, it's been said that 20% of the people do most of the work in any congregation. First, if you serve here, thank you. I try to say thank you every time. Oh, yeah, look at that. It's the first time you clapped, I was able to have a glass of drink of water. <clears throat> so thank you for that. Um, thank you for serving. I try to say this every single time I see people serving on Sunday to say thank you, look you in the face, say thank you. But if I haven't, thank you. Uh, you make our mobile and transient church run beautifully. Second thing I'll say about this is you don't graduate from serving. <laughs> if you serve when you first started coming to reality and then you decided to take a little break and it's been over a year now, get back to serving. It's good for you to give your time and yourself to your church family. It's good for you. And it's good for the community as a whole. Third, if you're new and you haven't began to serve yet, sign up to help. We not only need your help around here, but it's a good way for you to learn about our church and to get involved in the life of the community by serving. Next, giving. 62.4% of you give here. That's a majority, so that's good, well done, and there's also room to grow here. As you know, if you've been a part of this church for any length of time, I don't teach on giving pretty much at all here. I think I've done one sermon in, in eight, nine years here about giving. I hate when pastors only talk about money. I think it can get really slimy for me really fast. But I do know this. The top spiritual gift that was named in our church by you all was giving and generosity. When we asked, what is your spiritual gift? A majority of the, the highest percentage was giving and generosity. So I'll say, keep growing in this. If you don't give here, start to give here. If, you, if this is your home church, give here. Ask Jesus how much to start with. The rule of the New Testament is generosity. Whatever that means to you, begin to do it. So where do we go from here? Over the next few weeks, we'll outline actionable ways we want to use this data to inform our ministry and leadership. We're doing that as a staff and leadership now. In March, when I'm back from paternity leave, um, this was my last biggest thing. I kept telling our little daughter, okay, just wait till after Tuesday, and then you can come whenever you want to come. So, um, After paternity leave, I'll spend uh, time with the church reviewing the data and sharing how the elders, the staff, and I will implement our findings over the next six months and year. So stay tuned for more. And finally, I think we're doing really great on time, guys. Finally, our pastoral vision for 2019. First, here's how we asked you to pray last year. We said we would love for you to pray for a renewed CG vision. We're happy to report that we've restructured a lot of things in our CG department, and we hope 
with the impl implementation of new teams that we're building, like volunteer teams around content and welcoming newcomers and coaches. Like we're just building new uh, leadership teams around these things, bringing uh, Jessica G, Jess G from our staff into our CG department recently, which has been awesome. Um, CGs will continue, we hope and pray, to be the lifeblood of our church. With leadership and care and development, last year we said we want to care way more for the leaders in 2018. And so we did these leader nights throughout the year, and they were really, really good to care for the leaders, to pause, to pour into them, to know them, to pray for them, minister to them. We spent a year doing that. We paused from the, the normal training that we do with leaders and just did way more like get everyone in the room and minister to each other. And we felt like those went really, really good. And we're moving forward with the care and development. As leader nights look differently this year, we won't be nearly as regular. Um, but, uh, but we think we've we poured a lot into them in 2018, and we're hoping that development follows in 2019. Organizational health through hiring executive director. We hired Dale, Dale Gustafson. Where's Dale? Uh, I, I, where were you sitting last year, Dale? Like right over here? Yeah. Yeah, I did. It got worse. Welcome to ministry, bro. Um, <laughs> Actually, welcome to Ministry at Reality. So I don't, I don't know what the other church is like. Um, our phrase around here has been Delia. So it's just been awesome. Like it's been just he's been killing it. He's been so helpful to our staff and our leadership. And it's like his, his main focus has been in and around our, our staff community. And then we'll start to filter out into more and more of our church. He's teaching for the first time in a Sunday and coming up on a Sunday pretty soon. So really excited about that. Um, so organizational health is going really, really good um, with, with Dale being brought on as executive director. Expanded eldership. We brought on Wilson and Joe, and they've just been instrumental, especially as we've been moving into the Holy Spirit series and everything we've been doing with that. Our eldership, we're, we, we feel like we're able to actually deal with um, the heavy theological stuff and alignment in and around our church now with an expanded eldership, and it's so, so good. Youth ministry and a youth hire. Now, we were able to do all the things in 2018 except for hire a youth minister. But if you remember, I did say at church that there was one thing I couldn't talk about yet. And that's because this last one came in right at the buzzer, like literally at the buzzer yesterday after a very thorough hiring process. We brought on Melissa Weinich to be our new youth minister at Reality. Melissa is here tonight. I'd like to invite her up. Um, I'd love her. Would you welcome her up? And I'd love her to introduce herself. Thank you. <sighs> um, I'm really thankful for an opportunity to share some of my heart with you guys. I'm just going to take this in for a second. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh. good. Take it in. Okay. No, no, it's okay. Now I can talk. Um, my first Sunday in San Francisco was reality's first Sunday, and wow. it's been like the biggest gift to get to grow up with this church. Um, I was in San Francisco. I came to San Francisco to work in youth ministry with Jews for Jesus and have been doing that for 10 years. And um, a few years into the life of our church, I was sitting in church on a Sunday, and I think Kevin like made an announcement. We have middle school ministry. We want to expand into a high school ministry. 
And um, the second the service ended, I like ran down to Dave and I was like, I want to be involved. Like, I am so passionate about this. Like, put me to work. Tell me what I can do. And he connected me with Kevin. And um, Kevin and I started to work with the youth, the volunteer youth leaders to kind of like, how do we resource and equip and like really give our youth what they need. And I want to take a minute to acknowledge the volunteer youth leaders who have served the youth of this mm -hmm. church for three years right. amazingly. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna like read your name and if you're here, like stand or wave or like if they're next to you, give them a hug because they have done the work, like the hard work of serving our youth. So uh, Brianna and Shagun Williams, yes. <laughs> uh, Ranke Adermanu, yeah. Alec Huey. Eric Alessand. Olivia Foster. Mike Wu. Erica McDonald and Jenny Yi. Uh, yeah. I am so I'm so thankful for you guys and I'm so excited to like work with you and like partner with you. Thank you for investing in our youth. Um, you're the reason that I'm here and you're the reason that like we've been able to have these youth be here. Um, so I I'm just deeply excited and fast forwarding even a little bit more, God had begun to shift some things in my life and Kevin and I were catching up and I was telling him about that and he said, well, um, you know, we're, we're like beginning the process of looking for a youth minister and I was like, oh God, like, um, is that what you're doing? And God was like, uh-huh, <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> and um, I'm just really thrilled and I would love to share some of my heart for our youth with you and I wanna like ask you to ask God to share his heart with them for you too. Mm -hmm. um, this is not my thing now. Mm -hmm. This is our thing. Yeah. These youth are a part of our community. And yeah. um, if, if it's going to work, it's gonna be because we are doing, like we are mm -hmm. as a community investing yeah. in these young people. So my heart for our youth is to see them be active participants in the vision and mission of our church. Mm -hmm. That they are a part of God's renewal in our city. Yeah. The reality is that in five to 10 years, like as much as we like to think like, oh, like we're the tastemakers and like we're doing this, we will all be gone in five to 10 years. They will be here. Yeah. And if we can help be a part of raising up a generation of San Francisco residents who know who Jesus is, mm -hmm. who have experienced his life-changing work, who love him, who like show people what abundant and like good life looks like yeah. because of who Jesus is, we're like investing in God's, literally the renewal of this city. Yeah. So, like, let's get, like, get to work, Lord, they're ready. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. So, so thrilled. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, basically, we did everything we said last year. So, just so. There's that. Um, <clears throat> so, what about this year? Uh, I've already said a lot about our vision, about our, our study, uh, and what our study on women has revealed to us, and how that study led to the exposure of something a lot bigger, which is how we actually relate as brothers and sisters, how we can learn from each other, um, and be led by each other, and partner together in bringing renewal to our city. We also looked at some of the beginning of the data we've been getting back from our all-church survey, and what it's telling us about who is in our church and forming on how we want to grow in diversity as a community. Now, if you were paying attention at the very beginning of this presentation, and I was uh, reading what Jesus said about the greatest commandment, 
how it's all about loving God, you may have been thinking, yes, 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 but doesn't he also say love each other? Doesn't he like say it in the same breath? And you're right, he does. He says, and the second is like it, meaning equal as equal importance. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's all about these two things, the way that you love God and love each other. See, what we've been finding going into this year is that most of what we need to address in our church is how we relate, how we love one another. And so this year we'll be diving into a year-long pastoral theme on how we can live into authentic community. And we put together a video to talk a little bit about that, and so we'd like to play that for you now. And so we're going to spend the entire year um, getting into what it really looks like to live in authentic community. And as I said in the video, it is, I think it's going to be pretty hard for a lot of us. I think we need the skills and the capacities to do this well. Some of us, um, I came into Sunday morning uh, giving a, a, like a primer teaching on this, and um, I was really full of like, uh, like my, my teaching had a lot more um, hope in it on what community can look like. But what the Spirit was showing us during pre-gathering prayer was that there's actually a lot of resistance to this because we've all been really hurt and damaged relationally. And so we know this is, there's going to be some resistance here. Um, how in the world can we talk about politics? How in the world can we talk about uh, gender? How in the world can we talk about um, how, uh, how, we, how we relate um, and date and all of that stuff? And for some of us, you're not ready for that conversation yet. I think for a lot of us, we're not ready. We actually need to build the inner capacities to have those conversations. Is what the f that's what the first half of the year is about. And so I hope that you stick around and do the hard work the first half of the year because we get to the second half of the year, the only way we can get there well is if we've built the inner stuff. We do the interior stuff. We do that hard work. And so that's what we'll be doing. Um, and we want to give you practical skills. One of the things that we learned as a staff when we went through this, the, the conflict that we went through a couple of years ago is we had someone who will be, who I'm bringing into our church as well, teach us uh, the skills of how to have a difficult conversation. And it was mind-opening to me. I was like, why, wasn't, why didn't someone teach me this in high school? Why isn't this a sign reading in high school? Um, and all of it is stuff rooted in identity and past and the way that we're being perceived. I mean, all kinds of stuff that, I, that honestly we learned. And now um, having difficult conversations is a lot, a lot more fruitful. As a part of this year, uh, what we'll also be doing and praying into and looking forward to is this. We want this next year, we want a higher engagement and deeper involvement in community groups. We are less than 50%. We actually used to be somewhere around 70%. Um, we want that number to keep rising because it's not just numbers. It's actually people involved in the life of the community in our church. So we want, but we have to figure out solutions for things. Our church um, is having more and more and more babies. And as people get married and start a family, it's hard for those people to be engaged in community groups still because sometimes they start at 8 o'clock at night, sometimes 7.30, and they go till 10 sometimes. How in the world? So we have to figure out how to get in families involved in community groups. We also have to solve the stability problem. How do we vow stability with a few people in our community groups but also remain hospitable and open at the same time? We 
we've, we've kind of vacillated between these two. We were all hospitable and open, and community groups could not sustain that because having people turn over, like being, you, you feel like you're like just an agent, a TSA agent at the airport. That's, that's, what, that's what leadership feels like. But then you close groups, and then no one can get in groups, and the church feels really inhospitable. We have to do both. We have to figure out a way to vow stability with a group of people and then leave spots open for people to learn stability in your group, even though they're only here for a short period of time. We need to figure that out. We need your help in figuring that out. We need you to start experimenting with some of this stuff, figuring out like this R&D sort of season in our church. Um, we also want to build clear pathways to leadership and leadership development. Dale is working with our staff in creating very clear pathways of leadership and leadership development in our church this next year. This is something that we really care about. We want to get very, very clear. One of the things, one of the values that is driving me this year comes from Brene Brown's new book on leadership, where she says, being clear is kind, being unclear is unkind. And I think that's really, it's just so simple, but it's so helpful for me because I, I tend to love ambiguity. I love just like, I don't really know. Who really knows? I don't know. Like that sort of thing. And it's not helpful. It's not kind, which is what I'm trying. We're trying to become more clear. How do you get involved in leadership? It's very clear. This is how you get involved. Who is a leader and who's not a leader? It's very clear. What do you guys believe about women? It's very clear. We want to be clear and we want, because we want to be kind. We're like, this is where we want women to fit into the life of our church. This is where we want you serving and using all of your gifts here. We want to be very clear on how that is. And we want to be very clear in confronting ways that um, less than Jesus' ideal is, is not being done in our church. We also want to build out a clear theory of personal transformation stuff that we've been talking about the last few weeks that really codified in the practices that we live into as a church that become very accessible to everyone in our church. Here's some things also that we'll be doing as a church this, this next year. This year we'll have a women's retreat and a men's retreat this year. We'll also have a marriage conference this year. We'll have date, a series of dating lectures this year. We'll have difficult conversations training this year. Race Intensive 2.0 will be this year. That might look a lot different than you, you might expect. So if you were there last a couple years ago and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm really into that, it, it's going it's to look different, but... It's going to look the same as well to where we're still talking about the hard stuff, but it'll feel a little different. Um, sexuality series and a series of lectures around sexuality this year as well. Um, this is like a lot of stuff that we're, that we're going to be diving into. And I know like we're going to offend a lot of people. That's just part of the gig in being in relationship. But if we can vow stability this year, especially for those people in this room, like I'm, I'm here this year and I'm... Even though it might be hard, even though I'm going to get confronted in all kinds of different ways, I'm going, to, I'm going to stay and see the kind of person that I become by the end of the year. So maybe even a good exercise for you would be journal. Like, what do you hope? What kind of person and how you relate do you want to become by the end of this year? And write that, write, like, do a journal exercise tonight when you go home or tomorrow morning when you wake up. And I would, we'd love to hear from you in, in a year of being a part of this, how you've changed and how you've grown. Lastly... Before I invite the worship team up, um, I want to point you to uh, an online, um, uh, kind of we call it like a web scroll of all of our information, all of this stuff, all of this like year in review stuff. I know I didn't talk about giving goal and what came in last year and what we, all, the balance of the budget, all this other, I didn't talk about any of that stuff because, because I, I don't know numbers, okay? So um, it's all there. All of it's there. All of it's accounted for. It's all there. You can go there tonight on your, on your like, way home um, or in the morning or whatever. It's also be on our newsletter and on our socials and that sort of thing.